Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Think and Grow Rich. We are finally in the penultimate chapter, the penultimate episode in this book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. In the previous episode, we left off where we did not venture into, but did lead into the questions of self-analysis, which Hill has listed down for us. And if you missed that episode, I do uh, advise that you check it out. Check out the link in the description for those questions. In this episode, we will go through an important part of not just this chapter, but the entire book. Um, that is the point of control. That is the point of where we should allow control with negative and positive thoughts to take us and why we shouldn't give too much credence to any sort of excuse in the form of legitimate or illegitimate alibis. Hill opens this part by saying, you have absolute control over but one thing, and that is your thoughts. This is the most significant and inspiring of all facts known to man. It reflects one's divine nature. If you must be careless with your possessions, he says, let it be in connection with material things. Your mind is your spiritual estate. Protect it. Use it with the care to which divine royalty is entitled. You were given the willpower for this purpose. But unfortunately, there are people who not only do not use power, but there are people who let other people's minds influence them. And this is a bit that Hill has written uh, in that regard. He said, unfortunately, there is no legal protection against those who either by des design or ignorance poison the mind of others by negative suggestion. This form of destruction should be punishable by heavy legal penalties. He says, also, although it will be difficult to enforce these, he is but making a point. He says, the reason this, this should involve punishment is it may and often does destroy one's chance of acquiring material things which are protected by law. A few examples that he lists out are men with negative minds tried to convince Thomas Edison that he could not build a machine that would record and reproduce the human voice because they said no one else has ever produced it. Edison did not believe them. He knew that the mind could produce anything the mind could conceive and believe and the knowledge was the thing that lifted the great Edison above the common herd. Another example is that of Henry Ford. Doubt, doubting Thomases, or, or men who doubted Henry Ford, scoffed scornfully when he tried out his first crudely built automobile on the streets of Detroit. Some said the thing never would become practical. Others said no one would pay money for such a contraption. Ford said, I'll bet the earth would dependable, I'll belt the earth with dependable motor cars, and he did. His decision to trust his own judgment had already piled up a fortune far greater than the next five generations of his descendants can squander. Ford never had a chance either, but he created an opportunity and backed it with persistence until it made him richer than Crorius. Richer than Crorius, in, in, uh, in, in a bit to make comparison. Mind control is the result of self-discipline and habit, he says. You either control your mind or it controls you. There is no halfway compromise. The most practical of all methods for controlling the mind is the habit of keeping it busy and a definite 
and with a definite purpose backed by a definite plan. It's often said that you you need to have a mission with whatever you're doing. If it's a physical mission of learning a particular skill or getting better at a particular skill, um, whether that skill is a sport or that skill is a movement. Um, it can be uh, uh, working for a particular goal with, with your, with your uh, career or with your education, whether that education is making a particular discovery or with the career of building a particular business or serving a particular group of customers or making just people um, happier in any way. That is a mission that you can have. And that's a mission that Hill lays down. And, and, and the first sort of step to achieve that, because that is something that you want to achieve, that is something that probably nobody else has done, that is why you want to do it, is he says, um, and the way he's saying this, it can be sort of translated into modern, into the modern world, is simply putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Because when you do, A, you're uncomfortable, so you have to adapt. B, an uncomfortable situation with a positive goal always results in growth. And C, and the most important, and where this chapter leads us, is it will allow you to control your mind. Putting yourself in any uncomfortable situation and staying there, it, it, it can be as simple as if you'd like taking warm showers, take a cold shower. It's uncomfortable. It'll suck, but you probably will have to stay there. Then you'll control your mind and you'll say that, okay, it's not that bad. Similarly, it can be something physical if you're not used to physical exercise, any sort of simple physical exercise, whether it's going to the gym or going for a run or just eating a healthy meal would be uncomfortable, but you know that you're that much better and you know that you achieved that much growth because you did it. And a, a simple way to start this off, if you're fearful of doing this on your own, is study men and women who've done that. He says, study the record of any man who achieves noteworthy success. And you will observe that he has control over his own mind. And a simple word, a simple word that encapsulates this is discipline. The ability to do what's right in spite of uncomfortable situations. And those people exercise control and direct it towards the attainment of a specific goal whether that be a professional athlete playing for his country or his franchise, whether that be a um, businessman or woman um, furthering their, uh, the, the goal of their enterprise. Without a form of discipline, nothing is possible. And what is an obstacle to discipline is excuses. And Hill lists out 57 famous alibis by old man. If in the, in the previous chapter, he introduced us to old man worry and how worry leads to indecision and indecision leads to basically nothing getting done. He also tells us to, he also leads us and introduces us to old man. If people who do not succeed have one distinguishing trait, he says, they know all the reasons for the failure and have what they believe to be airtight alibis to explain why their own lack of achievement has never, ever come to fruition. And a few ifs uh, that I have ticked, which are, which are not only universal to me, uh, not only apply to me, but are universal to you as well. If I had money, if I could get a job, if I had good health, if only I had time, now that's a common one. If I had a chance, if I were only younger, if I had been born rich, if I were only free, if I only knew how, 
if people weren't so dumb if luck were not against me if i only had a business of my own if only other people would listen to me if and this is the greatest of them all he says i had the courage to see myself as i really am i would find out what is wrong with me and correct it and i might have a chance to profit by my mistakes and learn something from the experiences of others for i know that there is something wrong with me or i would now i, I would now be where i would have been if i had spent more time analyzing my weakness and less time building alibis to cover them that's a long one that is certainly the most important of them all a man's alibi he says is a child of 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 his own imagination it is human nature to defend on one's own child if you think of an excuse and you tell yourself that excuse it takes all the more power and courage to squash that excuse because that is something you have created he says and this is quite simply a sunk cost a sunk cost fallacy where if you've done something it's harder to undo it and even if it's for your own good if you've spent that time and dug yourself into a hole you would rather keep digging than dig yourself out and climb out of that hole and an alibi's perfect encapsulation of that is just or is just what i think it is building alibis is a deeply rooted habits that are difficult to break especially when they provide justification and make us feel comfortable plato had this truth in mind when he said the first and best victory is to conquer self to be conquered by self is of all things the most shameful and vile and in parting as we come to the last few paragraphs of this book he says in parting i would like to remind you that and this is one of those quotes where you have to underline and take a picture of to remind yourself over and over again life is a checkerboard and the player opposite you is time If you hesitate before moving or neglect to move promptly your men will be wiped off the board by time you are playing against a partner who will not tolerate indecision previously you may, you may have had a logical excuse for not having forced life to come through with whatever you ask but the alibi is now obsolete because and this is the key reason you possess a master key and unlocks the door to life's bountiful riches the key is intangible but it's powerful it's privilege of creating in your own mind a burning desire for a definite form of riches there is no penalty for the use of the key the price however of not using it is failure there is a reward of stupendous proportions if you put the key to use it is the satisfaction that comes to all those who conquer self and force life to pay whatever is asked these were the final lines from the book thinking grow rich by napoleon hill and there's a reason why this book written in 1937 has stood the test of times as lasted more than about 7 to 8 decades about three generations of people have recommended it and this is still on the best sellers list uh, in in your local bookstore both physical and its digital copy um, and the reason for that is because it it tells you simple principles to just not just become rich which is the end goal of this book but just become better and this is certainly something that i am trying to 
inculcate and i hope to help other people inculcate it through this podcast and other means i hope this book has given one principle that you can apply to your daily life every single day whether it's the simple power of thought whether it's to have a burning desire whether it's simply to organize your thoughts whether it's to have control over your day whether it's to have discipline whatever it may be it's made you that 1% better um hill is the one to thank as the source hopefully i or someone else uh, are are to thank for a medium but that's it from this episode the penultimate episode in the next uh, in the next episode we will summarize this book so if you haven't caught up with it that is your chance to and we will also be introducing the next book in this series where we break down chapter by chapter book on finance primarily um, but if it's something that can help us in our other in other aspects of our life that's all the better that's it from this episode if there's any way that uh, this can be bettered improved please do let me know thank you and we'll catch you next time